You're listening to the Canned Fruit Podcast with your favorite trio, Danielle, Jess, and Kia. We will have meaningful conversations on what it looks like to have compassion and respect when communicating with others. This show is a safe and brave space to open up. So let's start. Welcome, everybody. This is so exciting. We are entering our first episode of Canned Fruit. Thank you all so much for listening to us. This is going to be amazing. We're going to have so many honest, candid, fruitful conversations. But before we get into all of these amazing conversations, you kind of need to know who we are. And so my name is Danielle, Danielle Lovell Jones, and I am so honored to be able to be doing this with two of my most amazing friends, Kia and Jessica Hello. and Danielle. And we are going to just be talking about everything that has uh, affected us in terms of conversations. We want to bring it to the forefront and have a space where the three of us can come together and talk about the difficult conversations we're having, talk to people who are also having difficult conversations, and see if we can come together with some solutions on how each of us can get better at it. This really is a step-by-step process. We are not experts, but we are human, and that's really all you need to be in order to have a good conversation. So with that, Jessica, Kia, how are you feeling? It's our first episode. First so excited doing our little shoulder dance yeah they, so they, they have a shoulder dance I have a <laughs> smile and sit here dance you you will come to realize that he is the grounding one in the group and while Jessica and I are like floating into outer space but I mean that's kind of that's kind of the beauty of what we're doing here so I think what you know before we get into any of the other deep conversations that we'll be having I think it's really important for us to spend some time to kind of talk a little bit about who we are, how we came together, and why this is important to us. It's important enough that we are spending time together to make sure that we record it with each other and to share it with the rest of the world. Um, so I'll start because I always start because I talk a lot, which you'll find to find. <laughs> but <laughs> what I'm realizing is that we are in uh, a space. We're in- appreciative of that. <laughs> yes, thanks, Jess. Well, you know, most times it works. Sometimes I talk too much and then I'm not hearing the other person, which we will come to talk about in later episodes. But why now, right? Like, I definitely think that the world is in a really weird place where we've seen uh, some really stark conversations about racial equity. We have had some serious conversations with regard to politics. And um, Jessica and Key and I have been like really involved in Enneagram work where we're really learning about each other. And so all of those things come to, coming together, we found ourselves in places where we were having a lot of heavy, deep conversations, but seeing how productive that was. Um, even if it wasn't necessarily productive with other people, it was productive for for our group so that we were in a position to be able to say, how are you handling this? I know I've called Kia many a time randomly on a day where she was doing lots more important things. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm going to kill this person. Oh, so I probably shouldn't say kill. I'm going to really harm this person <laughs> for like always saying some really negative things on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I'm available because there's nothing more important than talking your friend down from seriously harming somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And that, and 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 that is the thing. It's because you kind of have to have that clear mind, you or at least a sounding word. And so that's even stuff that 
I feel like we really should be taking some time to talk through is like what your network is like. Um, who are you talking to? Is it diverse enough where you can really have some time to ground yourself in those um moments are you going off the hinge or is it really something that needs to be pushed further and so I I don't know just being really transparent with this it's just been really important to have conversation and I've I've always been somebody that said I can't really be friends with you if I haven't had a hard conversation right and I don't think necessarily that's always the case that's a very extreme version of of where I've been but I don't know. What do you, what do you guys feel? Cause I feel like I haven't been able to make like really deep, deep friendships. I mean, luckily the three of us haven't had like blowout arguments, but I think there have been points where we've seen different sides and we've been able to bring that. I think we're all in a healthy place, but historically as I've grown through conversations, I felt like it was really important that there needs to be some disconnect so that we can figure out how to build and that's built the relationship. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for me, it, it kind of comes down to how you define a difficult conversation because for me, difficult means vulnerable or intimate. And so I don't, I can't name a friend that I would consider a friend and not just an acquaintance that I haven't had those moments with. So I, I agree with you, but it kind of depends on how you define that term because mm. it's different for everybody. Yeah, like when you said intimate, Jessica was like <laughs> trying to be intimate with anybody. No, that's not working. Like one of my one of my friends is always I have this thing about always looking people in the eye. And like I feel like you can look into my soul when you're looking me in the eye for too long. And it's not like like I've seriously harmed anybody or anything like that, but um, it's just like she's always looking at me like I'm gonna look you dead in your eye because I know that this makes you uncomfortable. We're gonna do this. Um, so it just, yeah, it just depends on how you're defining that difficult conversation. Is it difficult because it's important to you? Is it uh, difficult because it's just not something you really want to share? Like what what's making that conversation difficult changes how you approach it. Very true. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there are some things that I would consider difficult conversations that I also wouldn't consider those people that I had those conversations with to be friends Mm. I'll talk about what I would consider to be difficult things with people who I don't feel are intimately connected to me too. So I don't know. I feel both. I feel both ways, I guess. I agree. Cause I'm trying to think like, well, I have like maybe uh, a conversation about something specific to um, social justice and I'm like not that person could barely be an acquaintance and this, I get this. I guess we'll get to this later. But if not necessarily, if you don't believe the same as me, but if 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 there's some, if we can't be on similar levels in, in the conversation, then it kind of like then I don't even want to talk to you anymore. I get that. I think it's like a shared vulnerability, almost right. That like sh- that share that the other person is willing to match your intimacy, your vulnerability, not necessarily the topic, but that they're willing to go there. Because I, I, I do really have a lot of friends that share my values or morals or whatever you want to call it, views. But what makes them friends is that they're willing to go there with me. Mm. I, I'm just sitting back listening because um, first when you're right, Keo, when Jessica said intimate, that's not how I viewed uh, difficult conversations. So that that's 
something that I think I'm going to have to sit with because you're right. And I think that also alters how I viewed um, the need to have those difficult, like have to, why I always phrase it as I have to have a fight because it was that level of intimacy and that level of, um, and again, intimacy yields many reactions. Um, but I think it's more of someone was willing to go there when someone was willing to be transparent with me about what they felt. Right. But, you know, uh, so just, Thinking through it, it feels like there's this intimacy component. Are you willing to go there? And that's how we're kind of looking at intimacy in this way. Is are you really willing to be open about where you are? And and I think part of that, you're you're right, Jessica, it's a two-way street because in order for somebody to be open or vulnerable, a lot of times it helps that the other person is going to not have judgment. And what we're seeing a lot, and this is Kia, I think this is something that you wanted to talk about about these like online social media conversations, is that it's not really that anyone's being open. We're just kind of like talking at each other. We're not really talking from a place of understanding. And I don't know, I don't know how you feel about that key. Cause I know that you, you in, in our personal relationship, I know that there've been a lot of places where you have not only been engaging, but educating to an extreme extent on uh, social media to a point where I was just like, girl, is this your full-time job? <laughs> uh, is this about to be a situation? Cause they need to pay you for the amount of education and, and, really? and, yeah, that you are spewing. So, uh, you know, t- say more about the social media component and how you're feeling about these com- conversations, especially, you know, politics aside, whatever side you land on the past four years has been tumultuous in this point. Um, so say more about that social media component. So I was thinking about that because I, I know that's something I want to talk about, how we're not really having these conversations anymore where your one-liner against my zinger, oh, I got you, or my, what I absolutely hate. And I know it's clickbait, so I like really, really click on these headings where it's like, somebody demolishes somebody else. (laughs) So, so and so, like, I can't, I can't deal with, they demolished them. They have a profound, uh, you know, civilized argument. Like that's what I want to see or read, but they, and then usually it's not, it's like so pitiful. And I'm like, is this what you call demolishing? Like, I don't even get this. But I, I, I realized, I think what it boils down to is this dehumanization. Mm. Like I'm not close to you, stranger on social media. I'm not close to you, even my family member on social media. Like you're just in my friends list. You're following me on IG, whatever it is. And I think that that is part of the dehumanization. And so I found this interesting article that I liked, which is Dehumanizing Always Starts With Language by... (laughs) it's by Brene Brown um on her blog and it's it says that it's adapted from Braving the Wilderness one of her books um in chapter four specifically people are hard to hate close up move in Mm. I was like Mm -hmm. oh this is like perfection Mm. um but she says that uh David Smith who's the author of a book called Less Than Human explains that dehumanization is a response to conflicting motives and so basically you you we are social creatures and so we're not attuned to wanting to gravely harm somebody we don't want to hurt people because they're humans we don't want to hurt other humans but if i'm if i dehumanize you if i'm calling you something else if you are other if you are mm. not human then i can say whatever i want to you i can mm. do whatever i want to you because you're subhuman like there's mm. i don't have to acknowledge you anymore and then she talks about Maisie, I think it's 
the chair says that the psychological process of demonizing the enemy, making them see less than human and hence not worthy of humane treatment. Danielle was talking about, I'm educating people and that's really what I'm doing. Like I'm putting out education because what I'm not going to do is go back and forth in the comments with you and call each other names. If you want to pretend like the Irish were slaves then you can pretend like the Irish were slaves and I'll just tell you that you're wrong and then be done with it because any further engagement won't solve anything. Um, So I'm one of those people like, are we going to talk about it? Um, Are we going to schedule some time to discuss it? Because going back in the, I might initially once or twice, but then it's like, oh, you want to do this for the rest of our lives and Mm -hmm. more of mine (laughs) to live. So no. My question is, where where do you think the line is crossed? To me, this really speaks to kind of the definition of communication and that I think a lot of people, when they're on social media, aren't actually communicating in that they're not open to a conversation. They're actually broadcasting, right? They're actually just there to tell. They're not there to tell and then receive any feedback. So where do you think it it crosses into, do you think name calling is the difference between that and dehumanization? I think it's, I think it, it's a, a accumulation of all the points of disconnect. It's um, that we're not having that conversation face to face. Like even this chapter name, Amy, like the people are hard to hate close up, move in. So it is yeah. perfectly fine for you to hate me, except when you're talking to me and you're looking at me and you see that I am also human. And I also have feelings and that this is also important to me, but the, the, you know, one of the disconnects that we're doing this virtually, the other disconnect is we may not actually know each other that well if it's you're commenting on some celebrity's post and someone's replying to your comment and, you know, some complete stranger has now judged you based on whatever yes. thing it is that they have decided to judge you on. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, well said. It's, it's more than just one thing. I want to jump in here and say, first of all, y'all are awesome. And second of all, there's the, oh, Kia. (laughs) So there's so many thoughts going through. So the first thought is that the long story short is that everything that you've been saying, Kia and Jessica really resonates with me. Um, Kia is going to be the one that usually has like some really insightful resource that she's developed. And Jessica is always going to give like the critical thought, but I'm going to bring it back to like what's real. And so I saw an episode of Muppet Babies one time and it was really serious because there was this That's one real. monster. It's real life guys. Hashtag real life. And there was this one monster and like Kermit and baby piggy and all of them are just like, Oh my gosh, he's so scary. Um, and then he turns around and he's like, well, I've got webbed fingers like you, Kermit, and I've got uh, fur like you, animal. And you see them all realize that they were all the same. And so I, one, I bring that up because I love it when we can start teaching children at an early age what it means to um, see each other as more alike than different. And I think that's like really, really important. And then the other thing about dehumanization is that at least less about dehumanization and more about like the social media component. It's the fact that one time this buddy, well, not even buddy, this person I went to law school with was on my wall and thought that it was a place for 
them to actually like share all of their political views after something I say, shared on my wall. And I thought that it was really important to lay in a bit to make sure that I was setting boundaries so that this person knew that it was inappropriate to kind of come into my space and not, um, and not respect the fact that we didn't have a relationship. There was no real space there for him to say, oh, you know, remember we were, we went into the lot, we were law school together and all this stuff, but nobody ever takes the time to like build that connection first. He never spoke to me when we were in law school. He never spoke to me when we were, um, you know, doing anything else on, on campus. And to think that he had took the, the privilege to kind of come onto my wall and share his opinion um, when never really having made a personal relationship with me in the past um, brings me to my other very like real quote, which is from where, I, where I'm from is say it to my face. And that's a little aggressive. Um, people always think that that's like an aggressive tone, but growing up, it was just like, don't say anything if you cannot bring it to my face. And I think that's something as much mm -hmm. as it can be deemed aggressive is a skill that I learned very early on like don't put up a don't pretend to be something if you can't meet it with action and that that's something I think people have forgotten is that if I can't say to you Jessica that I don't like x then I probably shouldn't be using other forums to say that I don't like x and I just want to throw out one other question to you guys though what about the fact that some people might not feel comfortable bringing things up you know I prefer someone to say it to my face right and but I might be deemed more um we're not going to use the word aggressive because that's stereotypical. Um, assertive. Assertive. Thank you. And um, what are, you know, what have, what have you seen? Like, what have other people done in your spaces that maybe, okay, they didn't feel like they could just say it to your face, but what's another way maybe that people could have just been like, hey, I don't like this outside of your Facebook wall? I, I don't mind if you send me a private message and we have a conversation. I, I find that the conversations are completely different uh -huh. when you're posting on my wall or replying to comments than if you send me a private message. Now, uh -huh. I thankfully have never been the recipient of any off DMs. Like I, I hear other people when they, you know, reply to something in a, in a Facebook group or something, all of a sudden there's a hundred people in their DMs demonizing them. Oh, I've wow. luckily never had that, but it might be because I don't engage. Um, I just lurk one of the things I won't do is try to, to, in this theme of dehumanization, I will not try to justify my humanness. So I felt like the conversation was going that way and I kind of just dropped it. Mm. Hmm. I mean, one of the things, go ahead, Jessica, go ahead. Um, yeah, I find myself to also be a lurker, especially on social media. And so I don't, really have a good answer for alternatives when it comes to social media. Most of my grievances happen in person. Um, mm. And I think that, I think there, there's a time and place to sort of, I, I think it's just knowing your audience, whether the moment is made for educating the group mm -hmm. or if the moment is made for pulling that person aside and educating the person. Mm -hmm. And I just prefer in person. I just prefer it. I think as Kia has been building the case for people are more likely to react positively in person. Mm -hmm. not, not even positively, mm -hmm. just humanely. Like, humanely. Yes. If just like what you're saying, Danielle, someone will say something. Oh, well, I heard you said this. Oh, well, so-and-so misunderstood. Like it changes. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. a little, it's a little flatter. It's not mm -hmm. as what they get that way. 
But if I go to you, I get what I think is the ground truth. And then you go, well, then Kia, she came up to me, got in my face, da, 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 when all I really wanted to do was to have the conversation. Um, then, then I, you know, I can't control that part. Uh, what is one of my friends said, what, what other people uh, think, think about me or like say behind my back is none of my business. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to spend my time, my limited life thinking about what you could possibly be saying about me when yep. I'm not hearing or mm-hmm. listening yep. or aware of it. I mean, and that's another topic we got to cover for another day is kind of like when to engage and when to not, right? Because that's vital and powerful in its own right, being able to say, this is not worth my time. Um, but, you know, the thing that comes out with this dehumanization concept, which really is 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 what we've all been kind of struggling with, because I feel like we all came into these different conversations with each other, um, finding our humanity, finding grace with ourselves, figuring out where who we are in a time when there was so much dehumanization in the world. And um, I just wonder, and Jessica, I'm looking at you a bit, because I know that we've been talking a lot about treating each other with respect, because I think that's what ultimately happens. That's what Kia's getting at, is like, you have to, you have to create a boundary, you have to create a hierarchy so that you no longer have to respect the other person so that you can treat them this way. That's the whole point of creating this structure so that you're actually in a place where you don't have to respect them. But I know you've been talking to us a lot about like respecting each other and, you know, what are the things that are standing in the way of people learning? Like, I don't know if you have, um, I know you've shared it with us, but I just wonder if you wanted to speak more on that. Yeah. So I think some of the boundaries, there are so many different boundaries and I think there are variable depending on your background. Some of the boundaries that I have faced, I grew up in Appalachia and poverty is very widespread. And so is misunderstanding of that particular population. It's it's something that I've had to overcome. Um, kind of the stigma of growing up in Appalachia is a stigma that I've faced. Even still internalizing that sometimes feeling like I don't belong in spaces because I'm not educated enough or I'm not rich enough. And the resources that people I grew up with have are extremely limited. So even this social media that you're talking about, Kia, like some people don't even have really access to that um, where I where I grew up. So they're still having those conversations with, you know, Fred at the corner store. They're not even really having them on social media. And and feeling like those voices who are on social media are so disconnected from you and don't represent you because there's, you're never the winner when you're from Appalachia. You're never the winner, like not in Republicans' eyes and not in Democrats' eyes. You're always kind of the forgotten little pocket that people make assumptions about who you voted for or what your beliefs are um, just kind of lumped together. And even even the education of how to communicate, I have friends who now teach in the same community that we grew up in. And how is a child supposed to learn these social skills when during the summertime when they're out of school, they don't have food or they didn't have shoes to wear on the first day of school? These are real things that people face. And I think it's such a barrier to, to the education of communication, to these, these social 
these things that we take for granted, these interactions that we have of like how to understand or how to emotionally regulate ourselves, there are baseline factors like Maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. factors that people have not yet overcome. And then there are some others that are further up the line that Mm -hmm. are still standing in the way. But to see communities, full-blown communities struggle with these things and to see nobody really extending a hand to help them with those basics so that they can learn and then judging them on how they are, how they do show up in these interactions is really kind of heartbreaking. And it's something that I've had to overcome as I've grown, as I've aged, I guess, as I've had more experiences outside of those communities. You know, the thing that um, resonates with me about what you're saying, Jessica, is the fact like, so there's, there's, there's one thing that people are taught that people are, are the same, like groups of people are the same, right? And they think the same yes. things. So there's that. But there, what I'm seeing in is the, the need for, uh, and this sounds really like hokey, but like connection, right? Because what you're describing are things that I know yes. are real struggles in other parts of the United States, in urban centers, in, in, in a way yes. where we see those communities as so starkly different, right? But fundamentally, um, if they have those same barriers to entry, how are they supposed to, how are, how are they supposed, to, these communities supposed to engage and have these conversations about how to communicate, who's teaching them how to communicate. And, and one thing that I've always said, even as we've had these conversations is that I take this like growing process so seriously because I know that the people that came before me didn't have the bandwidth for this. They didn't have the time, space or capacity to think about how they yes. were feeling. Um, how other people were feeling. And so what happens, I think, my just a thought, Kia, you're going to have to fact check me, is that <laughs> there, there's, uh, there's like root emotions, like root emotions that will come up first. And I think that's where like the anger comes out. So when you think about, maybe it's not intentional dehumanization, but when you have these difficult conversations, there's this anger in place that, that is kind of masking all of these other layers that we can't see. What it made me think about when you both were talking was, um, and I'm, I'm not prepared with it, sorry, um, is this, um, it was either an article I read or I heard it on like the radio on the news or something. And it was basically about like these two different, the way that parents view their child's safety. So uh, people from like, um, from lower economic needs, uh, schools that aren't so great, their concern is their child's physical safety, their physical well-being. Mm. Um, Are they eating? Are they actually safe in school? Um, You know, like about them, they're all, everything about them physically. And then when you get into higher income brackets and better schools, then you get into the them being more concerned about their child's psychological needs. Um, mm-hmm. Are they being bullied? Um, are, are they, are they not even in the lower, here we go, in the lower economic area, they're worried about can their child get to school? And in the mm-hmm. higher economic, they're worried about how their child is doing doing in school do they have the resources they need all these types of things that 
if I'm just worried about my child getting to school, getting their clothes or getting there and then getting fed, because that's one of the, for the free and reduced lunch program. It's not just lunch. Mm -hmm. Some of these children are going there for breakfast. That's all they're eating is breakfast and lunch at school. That's all, that's what they have access to. Um, So they can't be worried about, quite honestly, they can't be, they don't, they don't have the capacity to be worried about the child's grades and all these other things when I'm just trying to get my child fed. Right. Yes. Yeah. I I think this is something that I have experienced personally in my own emotions. I, I always thought that I wasn't really an angry person. And then it turns out that I react pretty violently to things that I feel are unjust. And then learning that about myself opened up this feeling of well, if I don't identify as angry, why do other people see me as angry? And it's because I'm masking all of those other feelings with anger, right? And so I just have those kind of, what's that, the uh, the emotion wheel? I, I can't remember who developed it, but there's those core emotions and then they branch out and you get all of these other more eloquent ways of saying Mm -hmm. the emotion that you're feeling more nuanced. And it's taken me a long time to realize what my anger is about really, what it's, what it's actually masking. What it, is it about fear? Is it about sadness? And so even there's even development within our emotions Mm -hmm. too. It's something that's brand new to me. I mean, so this is, this is the thing about this conversation, which is, which is so, I, I get, I get this weird smell of face after Jessica puts this like really deep presentation out and I'm like <laughs> smiling, but it's, it's because it's so powerful of a journey. Uh, and, and I feel, mm. you know, to what we're talking about, Key, you talk about the kids on, on free and reduced lunch, man. Like I, I get emotional just thinking about the fact of how privileged I am to be thinking about how to have conversations. Yes. In that same vein with, cause, cause you're going to see that I'm not a movie buff, but I'm going to always throw in these quotes with great power comes great responsibility. Right. That's and it. so we're now in this position of having the luxury to think about these things. And, and that's part of what we're trying to do here is that the three of us know that we've come from very different backgrounds, um, but in lots of ways, we found similarities. And all of us have found a journey and are still on, again, wanted to be very clear that we are all still on the journey of exploring mm-hmm. what it means to have difficult conversations. And hoping that this is what we can do for others who are in this in our similar state and want to explore with us or people that haven't really had this space and maybe listening to our show for a few minutes might give them some purview into what it possibly could mean for them, right? What could, what changes could be made? Um, Cause I think about my family, I think about their struggles and I know for sure that if they could have been given just a little 15 minutes of thinking about this, it might've, you know, just helped them clear out some things that they're still probably dealing with. Um, so, you know, it's just really exciting to think that, are the three of us in our own little way might be helping other people to think through what it means to have these conversations, why they're important. Um, and, and the really, what I think it's inevitable that we'll start talking about is the fact that we individually have to work on ourselves in a, to be in a position to even have these conversations. You know, you, the only thing you can control is yourself. Um, 
So there are so many things happening in the world right now. There's so many topics, so many difficult things that we're hoping to cover. But as you can see, this is kind of like our journey through where we've started, what's been important to us, how we've navigated here. And, um, you know, it'll just be really interesting to see where all these conversations go. What we are hoping is that we will have a topic every episode. We will dig deep. Kia will do all of the research and we'll be like super prepped for all of our conversations. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Please, please, please come back for more canned fruit. We cannot wait to hear what you all think about this good, bad, ugly, because guess what? That's what we're here for. We want to learn and grow with you. Um, so with that, until next time, enjoy your candid and fruitful conversations. Bye. Bye. That brings us to the end of this canned fruit podcast episode. Thank you listeners for joining us today. We also want to thank our assistant producer, Brianna Jovan from What's Good Productions. If you enjoyed our show, we invite you to connect with us on Instagram at cannedfruitpod and email us at cannedfruitpod at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And be sure to come back next time for another discussion as we continue to have candid and fruitful conversations. Until then, this is Jessica, Kia, and Danielle. And don't forget to open up.